Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. That's our relationship with God, and so we were looking for all these God clips, and there's really not that many that are clean, to believe it or not. When you're talking about God, you'd think there'd be more clips. Um, but we found that one, and I think there's a lot of truth in that because we, um, a lot of us, it's like we, we want God to show up, we want God to do something, we want God to reveal himself or answer our prayer or, you know, we pray and we ask, and then he does, like you're sitting in the car with him, and then he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And some of us are stumped, we're like, uh, I didn't know if you were really going to show up, so I don't know. Today, um, like I said, we're spending the next couple of weeks talking about relationships, um, these relationship goals. And um, we can have, like next week, we're going to talk about our relationship with like parent-child. And some of us might be, you know, I think uh, Drew and I right now, we've got Mallory, she's five. I think about that relationship. But some of us, we're adults, but we still have our parents. And, and how are we relating with them? How are you as a child, whether young or not so young, how are you relating with your parents? This is a very, this is a key relationship that God has given us. And so we're going to talk about that next week. And then the third week, we're going to talk about those significant relationships, those, those you know, marriages, those, those deep, the romantic relationships that we have, and, and how are we in those relationships? Because that's a key relationship. We're going to talk about that in the third week. And then in the fourth week, the final week of the series, we're going to talk about all the other relationships that we're in, you know, where friends, uh, extended family, um, uh, siblings, how are we in those relationships? Because those are key. I mean, think about it. You spend more time with those people than you do usually with your spouse or sometimes with your children if your kids are in school. I mean, we spend more time with those other relationships. So those are really key and we, as, as followers of Christ, we want to know how we're going to function in those relationships. But today, we're going to talk about the most important relationship because I'll tell you, those other three relationships, the, the significant other, the parent-child, and the friendships and the connections, all, the, the third level, all those other relationships, I promise you, are doomed for failure unless we get the first relationship right. Now, I say doomed for failure, and that makes me sound really uh, pessimistic and everything, but what I mean by that is you can do your very, very best, and the other person can do their very, very best, but you're still going to mess up. There's still going to be times when you're not patient and you should have been. There's going to be times when you got angry and you shouldn't have. There's going to be times when, when you didn't follow through even though you had every intention to do so, and it's going to affect that other person, and that relationship's going to be a little messed up. There's one relationship, and that's the relationship with God, the primary relationship. And so what I have up here today are a chair and a couch that would fit on the stage. We're calling it a couch. A chair and a couch. And I learn, the way I learn is often the way that I, that I talk to you guys, the way I preach and teach is that I try, I learn by, because I get an image, I get a, a word, I get a hook, it's something that helps me to remember it and to recall it and, and to keep coming back to it. And what I have been 
thinking about this week, what I've been praying about for all of you is that this right here would be one of those moments that you never forget, and not because I'm the one talking. But I pray that this morning, this image of this chair and this couch is one that you will never, ever forget. Because this is relationship. This is our, all the relationships I just mentioned are represented right here. We have our relationship. This chair, even though some of us like maybe, you know, try to squeeze two people in with your sweetheart, this chair was designed for one person. The chair is designed for one. And, and I want you to think about that today because this chair represents your relationship with God. Not someone else's relationship, not yours and your spouse's. And your, this is your relationship with God. This is what this chair represents. And the couch, designed for more than one person, represents every other relationship that you have in your life. The chair and the couch. You have the chair and you have the couch. Now, how many of you would admit today that God, or you would say, I think this is true, that God is concerned about your relationships? God is concerned about what goes on on the couch. Anyone? Either you're lazy or asleep or you're not concerned. I'm not sure. Okay. I just, this is all I have. Sunday. God is concerned about your relationship. Now, who would also say, and this might be going out there for some of you. I believe God designed relationships. Anyone willing to say that? Okay. So if we, you know, and this is where my mind's going. God designed relationship. We were created to be in relationship. God is concerned about the relationships that you and I are in. He really is. And there's this part of me going, you know, if God, if you designed relationships and, you, and you, you're concerned about the relationships we're in, couldn't you just sprinkle a little, like, Jesus dust on them so the relationships don't have to be so messy? Because relationships are messy, aren't they? Anyone here just have just the most amazing, just perfect relationship? If you do, we need a testimony because I, it's, not, it's not out there. Don't you just, God, if you did this, if you designed this, why is it messy? Well, the easy answer to that is because we are imperfect, that we are fallible people, that we mess up. And we're the ones in the relationship. You know, we often want to make it about the other person, but, you know, we're, we're a part of this too. I want you to uh, see a verse with me this morning. See, I think God, he, he designed us for relationship. We were designed to be in relationship with him. We were designed to be in relationship with other people. We were designed for the couch. Okay, it, It's okay. The couch is not a bad place to be. There's a passage in Genesis chapter 2 where uh, God, the, the uh, creation story had just happened, where God had spoken all these things into existence. He had spoken the sun and the moon and the stars. He, had, he, he spoke it and it came to be. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He, he spoke it and it happened. And then something very interesting happens. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That's messy. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. That's called being inspired, inspirated. He put breath into it. God breathed breath into us. And the man became a living person. You know what's interesting to me? Is God spoke everything into existence. And he could have just as easily said... And now man come alive. But you know what he did? He got his hands dirty. 
God got down in the dirt with us. He got down there and created us, humanity. And when I read that verse, that gives me a lot of encouragement because that tells me that my God doesn't mind getting messy when it comes to me. See, relationships can be messy. God's not saying only seek out perfect relationships and if it's not perfect, please leave immediately. Find the nearest exit. No, God is, he'll, he'll get messy with us. It's okay. He'll, he'll put his hands in the dirt. When we let God into our mess, he, he can make it good. He, he can make it holy. So today we have this chair and this couch. I want you to hear this this morning. What happens in this chair right here? This is our relationship with God, remember? What happens in this chair affects every single relationship that's going to go on in this couch. Every single one. No relationship is left out. There's not like a, a little stool back here going, well, what about that one? And no, no. Every relationship you are in, the couch, is affected by what goes on in this chair. See, this is about you and God. Every single relationship. And with that, let me say this. Whatever doesn't go on in this chair is going to affect every single relationship on this couch. See, when we sit in this chair with God, what we do is we say, God, you're God. I'm not God. You're Lord. I'm not Lord. You're responsible for, for all things. Not me. You're the fixer. Not me. I need you. I need a Savior. God, I, have, I come before you. I'm confessing my sin before you. This is, happens here. I mean, we can confess our sin to one another, but God's the one that forgives it. God's the one that makes us whole. God's the one that redeems. See, everything that happens in the chair affects what goes on in the couch. When you sit in this chair, when you spend time in this chair, what you do, you know that, that old Christian-y thing about praying and reading the Bible? That, we, we say, I'm gonna, I want to know what you have to say to me, God. I'm going to be in this chair. I'm not going to just let somebody else tell me what your word says, which is okay. But we need to be able to sit here and go, what does your word say, God? We need to be able to sit in this chair and, and, and call out to God. Cry out to God. Cuss out to God sometimes, because that's all we got. But it happens in the chair. See, we need to be people who are saying, I'm going to spend time in this chair. Too many of us are sitting on the couch and we're letting our relationships with others direct us, guide us, be our Lord. And when things don't work out, when things go bad, when things get kind of funky and weird with other people, we're crushed. But see, if you spend time in the chair, then even when it's not perfect on the couch... Your life doesn't fall apart. But you know why? Because in the chair, God gives you identity. In the chair, even though on the couch someone tells you that you're stupid or you're a loser, you're never going to amount to anything, you're always going to have those problems, you're never going to overcome it, you know, that kind of stuff happens. Even though that's being said to you on the couch, in the chair, God says, he looks at you and he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, in the chair, God says, I created you in my image. See, on the couch, when someone says, you're always going to be like this, God, in the chair, says, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. 
I got something better. I'm the one that tells you who you are. I'm the one that gives you identity. He gives us value in the chair. When we are devalued or just questioning our value, God says, oh, you're my precious. You're my beautiful. You're my, you're my amazing. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're a co-heir of the kingdom of God. See, he gives us value. All, and this happens in the chair. See, even right now, I'm talking to you about this, and this is a couch thing. Right now, what's going on with me and you, it's a couch thing. And there's nothing wrong with it, but we need to be sitting in the chair and hearing that too. We need to be, we need to be in relationship with God. Everything that happens in the chair affects what goes on in the couch. Everything. You know, when we think about the couch, we can let it be So much goes on on the couch. A lot goes on on the couch. We can sit down next to somebody, whether it's our sweetheart or our best friend or our coworker. Doesn't matter who it is. For a lot of us, we say, "Boy, I'm sitting on this couch with you, and I really need you to." I really need you to fulfill me. I really need you to make me whole. I really need you to, to tell me that I'm, I'm, that I'm good. And occasionally that person sitting on that couch with you will do that. I love you, baby. You're awesome. We got this. I'm with you. Whatever. But eventually, eventually, one or both of you are going to fail each other. Not, not intentionally, or maybe so. See, that doesn't happen in the chair. See, in the chair, we are made complete. In the chair, we are fulfilled. In the chair, we are made whole. God does that in the chair. We need to, we need to make, do you have a chair? You have a chair in your life? Follower of Jesus? Questioner of Jesus? I just came here today because someone invited me. Doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Do you have a chair? Because everything that happens in the chair, th this is, th this is the, the result. This is where it happens, though. This is where it goes on. I love my husband. He's a good man. But he doesn't complete me. And he doesn't fulfill me. God does. God does. God completes me and God fulfills me. And when I walk in that knowledge and in that understanding, when I'm on the couch with Drew, we're doing good. I love, we love our daughter, Mallory. She's great fodder for sermon material. She's an amazing girl. Mallory does not complete me. Mallory does not fulfill me. God completes me. God fulfills me. So when I sit on this couch with Mallory, 
Oh man, I can be such a, I can be the mom that God wants me to be. See, too many of us are depending on the couch. And it's got to start with the chair. We can't talk about parent and children next, until we talk about the chair. We can't talk about our significant others until we talk about the chair. We can't talk about everybody else in our life that we deal with until we talk about the chair. I mean, we can. You can talk about these things. But we're, we're going to be running circles. It starts with the chair. It starts with the chair. Like I said, a lot of couches are crazy places. I mean, Netflix and chill, anybody? Now, if you don't know what I just said, please see anyone under the age of 25 immediately following the service, and they'll tell you. It's kind of the equivalent of, hey, you want to rent a, a VCR tape and come over and hang out? <laughs> the predecessor to that was the drive-in movie. Things happen on couches. <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen, the couch is going to be a dangerous place. If you know who you are in the chair, then it affects every relationship you have on the couch. It does. It sure does. See, now I want to get silly for a minute because it's kind of my personality. But I, I really, there's a reason behind it because I want you to see how, how weird we can be about the couch. See, we, we, God is saying, you are my beloved. You are beautiful. I've created you in my image. Um, you're going to, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do amazing things in my name. This is what we hear in the chair. Then we come over to the couch and we're in relationships, and let's just say we're talking about romantic relationships for a minute. We can get on the couch and be like, hotness. Number one, hotness. Someone's got to be hot. I'm going to sit on the chair, they got to be hot. Okay? They got to look good. They got to be the apple of my eye or whatever you want to call it. The cat's meow. You know, but we got to, you know, oh, we got to be hot. That, that becomes a, that's a couch relationship goal right there. That's a couch relationship goal. And then you go from that to, it, to the fluttery feeling. Anyone ever had the fluttery feeling before? You are liars and you're in church. <laughs> the fluttery feeling. Thank you, honey, for raising your hand. Hope it was about me. Um, <laughs> no, hey, I'm just going to say this. No one has a fluttery feeling about someone they don't think is hot. Okay, it's just how it is. So you got hotness, then you got your fluttery feeling, and that's all ee and ee and, and all that. You got the fluttery. Here's the deal about this. Psychologists say that that fluttery feeling that you have in romantic relationships can last anywhere from six weeks to 18 months. I think there's a thing that says after 18 months, if you're still experiencing fluttery feelings, you need to see your doctor. I don't know if it says that. <laughs> but, so for some people, after six weeks, they're like, okay, ready for, you know, and other people, that still, they're still all, hee, 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 fluttery feeling. Then after, the, so you've got hotness and the fluttery feeling. This is about couch relationship goals. The third one is, I call it the psycho phase, oh, and I'm just really, I'm just shortening it. It's just say psychological, but just for brevity. I saw. Here's where you start to go, man, their breath stinks. <laughs> they got sweaty palms. Um, they, uh, they smack their food. They have this weird eye twitch that's driving me crazy. And so it's after the fluttery, and you start to notice the, the imperfections of the other person. This is the couch relationship goals. 
So then stage three is, well, how, we got to get back to the, we got to get back to that uh, fluttery feeling. So I call this the spiritual phase. For only, the only reason I call it this is because uh, that's when a lot of people come to someone like me and say, Pastor, will you marry us so we can get back to the fluttery phase? Or I just, you know, we just kind of lost that spark. So will you help us? It's like we just want to get back to how we were feeling. And here's the thing about couch relationship goals. The step five is this. If, if it fails, just repeat steps one through four with somebody else. That's couch relationship goals for you right there. See, but God says to us, and I know I'm being silly, and, and I know that, but I mean, think about it. We, we have some weird goals. See, take away the chair, and we can come up with some really weird goals on the couch. That was a romantic example. You know, what about with your friendships? What about with your, your connections, your work relationships, and, and things like that? What kind of goals have we set up for people? See, we take away the chair, and this gets really, really hairy. The chair. See, it's about the chair. When you and I spend time in the chair and our relationship with God, everything else, when we come over here, we, we, we're okay. That means if things are great, then we're like, praise the Lord. And that means when things don't go well, we're not debilitated. Our lives are not crushed. They're not over when something doesn't go well on the couch. Because why? We've got the chair. We've got the chair. We've got God. And too many of us, too many of us, too many of us Christ followers, too many of us people who say, I love the Lord my God, are depending on the couch. Too many. And it's a recipe for failure. Eventually, it's a recipe for failure. See, God wants us to be complete. God wants us to be fulfilled here in the chair. So how do you, how do you recognize? What are the traits of someone who has spent time in the chair? Well, Ephesians 5 gives us, I think, a really good image of this. Beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians 5, it says this, Imitate God. I'll just stop there. It's a good place for a comma because I need to talk about these two words for a minute. How in the world do you imitate God if you don't know God? Follower of Jesus. How do we live out Ephesians 5.1 on the couch if we haven't spent time in the chair? If I said to um, Micah, Micah, would you please come up on stage and do an impersonation of my dad, Max Clark? Here's the problem. Mike has never met Max. How in the world is she going to do, how in the world is she going to imitate him? It's not possible. How do we imitate God on the couch in our everyday life if we are not spending time in the chair? So we've got to spend time in the chair. Imitate God. And it goes on to say, therefore, in everything you do, that's the couch, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. How do you know you're his dear children? How in the world would you know that you're God's dear children? Well, I think I heard it in a sermon once. Well, that might be nice to hear. But you know how you really know that you are God's dear children? Anybody? Anybody? <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. I know it's because you're all so riveted by what's going on right now. It's just you can't even form words. I know that's what it is. 
You know you're a dear child of God because you spend time in the chair and you let him tell you that. You learn to live in that. You learn to say, you know what? My, my, my parents, my family situation was not good. I don't really know what it's like to be a child and to be loved and to be nurtured like I hear people say. Well, dear one, spend some time in the chair with God. And I promise you, he will begin to tell you what that means. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. How did Christ set an example? Because if anyone spent time in the chair, it was him. He is God. He was with him from the beginning. How do we set an example like Christ? Because we spend time in the chair. It goes on to say this. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 show us what it looks like for someone who has spent time in the chair. They can imitate God. They know they are his dear children, and they can live a life of love in all things because of the chair. See, all that transpires here on the couch, but they learned it in the chair. This is, that's the result of this. And, 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 and listen, you will be, and, and I don't, I'm not really good at making these kind of promises, but I feel pretty good about this one because I'm not the one making the promise. You will be, married people, you will be a better spouse if you spend time in the chair. You will be. You will be a better parent if you spend time in that chair. You will be a better child of parents if you spend time in that chair. You will be a better sibling if you spend time in that chair. You'll be a better boyfriend in that chair. You'll be a better girlfriend if you spend time in that chair. You will be a better coworker in that chair. You'll be a better friend in that chair. You will be a better human being if you spend time in this chair. Far too many of us are just hanging out here on the couch. Do you have a chair? Do you have a chair? When you spend time in this chair and you get on this couch, you know what? You don't have to act anymore. You don't have to have a facade. You don't have to have a fake mask. You don't have to be like, everything's great. And then go home and crumble on the floor. See, when you spend time in the chair, you know your identity. You know your value. You know who God says you are. Even if you don't believe it, sit in that chair and go, I don't know, God. He will tell you. Spend time in the chair. He will. And then when you get on the couch and, and maybe someone goes, I don't know about you. You go, well, that's okay. God knows about me. I know I paint that lightly. But it hurts. We could be hurt on the couch. People can say things and do things or not do things or not say things, and it hurts. And, and yeah, we're emotional people, and, and, and it's okay, but we can always go back to the chair. See, if that's all we got, we're... We need the chair. Everything is affected by the chair. So, so what are God's relationship goals? What, what would it look like, God's relationship goals for you and for me? Well, here's the first one. And I know this might kind of meander a little bit over into the romantic relationship stuff, but I want you to see the bigger picture. 
Because it's not just about, you know, finding that one. God's relationship goals tell us to stop looking for the right person, and whether that's the spouse or, or the perfect best friend or, you know, the perfect job or the, you know, whatever. God's relationship goals say, stop looking for the other to be perfect and spend time in my chair and let me make you be the right person. Let me complete you and fulfill you. Quit looking for somebody else. I mean, think about this. How many single people are, and, and I was single for 38 years, so I, I got this down, okay? How many single people are, are looking for the right person sitting on the couch and doing nothing, spending no time in the chair? Just sitting on the couch. Hope someone comes sits by me soon. I never said that. That was weird. I don't really talk that way. But how many, how many married people are sitting on the couch with their arms crossed going, my spouse needs to get their act together? I don't mean to feel so angry about this, but <laughs> listen, and I don't mean it towards you, honey. How many married people are doing that? They're sitting on the couch going, well, if, the other, if they would just, and if they would, and that, get up off the couch and get in the chair. I know, I do sound angry. I'm passionate about this. It's not anger, this is passion, folks. We need to get off the couch and get in the chair. We need to spend time with God in our relationship with him. We need to know who we are so that when we're on the couch, you know what? Maybe we're able to uncross our arms and say, honey, God has been teaching me about love and forgiveness. Can I tell you what he's been teaching me? How many people are in broken relationships with friends, coworkers, neighbors, whatever? Broken relationship. Broken. Well, if that other person would just get in the chair. Get in the chair. Quit sitting on the couch waiting for someone else to get it together. God's relationship goal said, you get in the chair. You get in the chair. Get in the chair. Quit expecting something from somebody else. The second thing we can do with God's relationship goals is this. We need to walk in love in all of our relationships. And that is a lot easier said than done. But we need to walk in love in all relationships. You ever known someone who's fallen in love? They were your friend and suddenly they get uh, someone and they like quit talking to you. They fall off face the earth, you know? Like they used to call you and text you and stuff and that, no more, you know? It's like I've got this one person to love now so everyone else, see you later. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who walk in love in all relationships. I want you to hear this. Mark chapter 12, verses 20 and 20, uh, 30 and 31. Mark 12, 30 and 31. This right here is the verse that shows us the chair and the couch. It's right here in this verse, the chair and the couch. Someone came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer to them was, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Folks, that happens in the chair. You don't fall in love with someone you don't spend time with. You don't love someone with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength until you spend time with them. And that happens in the chair. And then Jesus goes on and says, and the second is just as important. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the couch. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Chair. Love everyone else. That's the couch. So God's relationship goals would say walk in love and all these things. See, love is an action. Love is not just a pretty thought. Love is an action and we live that out. The third relationship goal is this. We need to... We need to stop fixing all our hopes on people. See, this is what happens on the couch. So many people are expecting the other person on the couch to fix it, to make it whole, to make them to tell them all the things they should be hearing in the chair. C.S. Lewis said this in Mere Christianity, my favorite quote of all time. I've used it a billion times. If you ever come sit in my office and things aren't going well in your relationship to somebody, I'll quote this to you. I've probably quoted it to you. I know I have several times in sermons. He said this, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Don't put all your hope in people because the best of them will fail you and all of them will die. See, the best of the best that you're waiting for, that you're sitting on the couch hoping they'll fix you and make you whole and make you feel complete, the best of the best, that person is not going to live forever. Sweet granny that you love so much, she's not going to live forever. That godly man that you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. He's not going to live forever. The chair. The chair. See, God's relationship goals say, all right, here's what I want you to do. Stop, stop looking for other people to, to be it and spend time in the chair. You become, you spend time in the chair. Uh, walk in love in all your relationships. Don't, don't just try and find one person to love. You spend time in the chair and you will walk in love in relationships with other people, no matter who they are. And quit waiting for the perfect person. You know, maybe quit blaming, quit sitting on the couch blaming. Well, if, if that person hadn't have said that and done that, I wouldn't be who I am today. You know what? I'm sorry. I know a lot of you have some crazy, and I don't mean crazy like mental crazy, but you have some, some crazy stories about your life, about your childhood. And I am sorry that another human being did and said the things to you that have, that have put scars on you. I really am sorry. Would you get in the chair and let God start to speak words of healing and hope in you? doesn't mean it's going to disappear all that went on. He's going to give you value and identity that nobody else can on the couch. Get in the chair. I know I've, got a, I've gone a little bit long today. Um, but I think the time was worth it. Folks, we need the chair. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, my prayer has been, and it will continue to be, that I will get in the chair, <laughs> that I will seek out the chair, that I will be dependent upon being in your presence, being at your feet, sitting, sitting there and allowing you to tell me who I am, who you want me to be. And Lord, I pray that for everyone here. I pray that, God, that we would be, that we would be um, content with where we are currently, that we would be, we would be good, Lord, with you.
that we would say, okay, yeah, I admit it. I, I've, been, I've been all about the couch. I've been looking at the couch. I've been depending on the couch. I've been, I, I've been making it all about others. And God, I need you. Father, I pray today that we would all get a chair. And we would begin, if we're not already, to allow you to speak into our lives, to speak hope into our life, to speak promise into our life, to speak healing into our life, to speak promise into our life, to be the loudest voice we hear, that it would be your voice, that, that, that there can be all the, all the noise going on in the couch, God, but your voice will be the dominant voice in my life. God, because I know that when I spend time in the chair, all my other relationships will be affected. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends. Mm-hmm.